Hi everyone, and welcome to the Wordonomics podcast, brought to you by the UQES Diversity Team. I'm Francisco, and each week we bring in a new guest to talk about the issues that matter. UQES would like to acknowledge both Turbo and Jaguar nations, traditional owners and their custodianship of the lands on which this podcast is taking place today. We pay our respects to their ancestors and their descendants, who continue cultural and spiritual connections to country, and we recognize their valuable contributions to Australian and global society. Well, hi everybody. Welcome back to another episode of our Career Pathways series on the UQ Economic Society podcast, where we interview the economics community on how they got to where they are today. Today we are joined by Adrian Dudek, who is currently the Head of Academic Partnerships at Optiva. I'll hand it over to Adrian now to introduce himself. Thank you, Eleanor. So my name is Adrian and I currently work at Optiva in Sydney. However, I actually live two hours up the road from here in Brisbane. I live in Gympie. So this is a bit of a strange uh, choice, you might think. But uh, in today's modern world, we can live in one place and work in another. So I'll just give a brief introduction. I grew up in Perth and studied mathematics at the University of Western Australia. I did honours in maths there after majoring in pure maths and applied maths. So I just sort of wanted to, wanted to you know, cover all mathematical bases. Uh, after that, I did a bit of teaching at the uni. I really liked tutoring students and um, sort of interacting at all levels. So I tutored primary school students, high school students, and then also did a bit of lecturing at UWA as well. Uh, however, at some point I decided to get sort of back in the, the mathematical game and I went to ANU and did a PhD focusing on prime numbers. So there's an area of maths called number theory. Uh, it's all about studying the counting numbers. And to me, the prime numbers were particularly interesting. So that was my focus. After three wonderful years in Canberra, I went to Optiva. So Optiva are a trading company. They're globally based in Amsterdam, but they have offices around the world. And they have a reasonably large office in Sydney of about 400 people there. So I spent five years trading options at Optiva. And then from there, I, well, one day as a family, we decided, hey, let's, uh, let's, move along so i went up to gimpy in queensland and these days i w still work for optiva as head of academic partnerships so my role these days is again it's back i'm back talking to university students which is really nice i talk about mathematics i talk about how to do um, how to transition into industry how to get a job in trading if people are interested in that um yeah, so it's been a it's a bit of a circle. I feel like I'm back in the, the university space again. Yeah, it sounds really interesting that you've um, started with such a passion for teaching and sort of tutoring, and then moved more into industry. And now you're able to do a combination of both. Sounds like it would be quite rewarding. Yeah, it's like it's like the dream job, I guess. Mm. Uh, you get to do the technical stuff still, and you also get the the human aspect. So interacting with new people, seeing the the light bulb switch on, and then also. Um, helping people to to find like the right career for them as well lovely yeah now we like to start these interviews with a bit of a fun question just to break the ice sure. um so if you could have any superpower what would it be and why oh that's a good question 
any superpower. Mm. Well, what if I had the power to prove any theorem in mathematics whenever I wanted to? That could be that could be good. That could be good. Yeah. I mean, there are six problems out there right now, I believe, where there's like a one million dollar prize. So I could just go poof. There's a six okay, million dollars. <laughs> yep, yep. Finances sorted for a while. Um, although I would also put many mathematicians out of a job. Mm. So you know, with great power, You'd become a bit of a monopoly on the mathematics business. Yeah, yeah. No, that wouldn't be a good look, actually. People, <laughs> people would, uh, people would frown at me. I You'd think lose so. a few friends, perhaps. Yeah. So, so maybe just like a better superpower is just the ability to make, you know, really lovely croissants or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That can only bring happiness. Yes, exactly. Everyone will love you. Well, that's a very interesting answer. I think mostly when we ask those sorts of questions, we get flying or invisibility. So I think it's interesting that it's so focused towards your um, area of focus, but that's great. So as you said, you studied uh, mathematics at the University of Western Australia. Um, what motivated you to study mathematics? Did you you know, have a passion for it at high school or was it something that came to you more into your degree? That's a very good question. I think really... Um, we have this idea that there are maths people mm. and then there are not maths people. But really um, what the research has shown is that almost anyone can learn and do maths at a really good level. For me particularly, I was always fairly geared to it without much need for intervention. So when I was young, I was just very fast at arithmetic. We have this, we have this problem in schools where like if you're good at arithmetic and fast at arithmetic, then you get a lot of positive focus put on you. And obviously positive focus on you in an education space leads to good things. You know, you have a lot of attention and resources pointed at you. So that paid off well for me. I think it's a very narrow and way to simplify mathematics, but um, this is the, the system we currently have and it worked out well for me. I did sort of fall off the mathematical wagon, if you like, um, in the later sort of well, maybe years eight to 10 at high school. But then um, I found my way back there just because of like, like a, I guess, a, a love for patterns, um, an ability with, with numbers. But I think what ultimately kept me in mathematics at that point and led me to uni to study mathematics is um, dopamine. It's just that when I do mathematics, I just get a, I get a rush um, that I don't get, you know, if I that I wouldn't get if I were doing, I don't know, like plant biology or something. So I just followed, if you like, that rush because um, for me, obviously, mathematics is something that um, you know, makes my brain feel good. And so I guess I just keep doing mathematics. Yeah. So uh, I love, uh, you know, to, to remove myself from um, the chemistry of it, I enjoy and appreciate mathematics as well. I love how um, connected everything is. I love how we prove everything from scratch. And I also really um, find an, an enjoyment of just how applicable mathematics is to, to everyday life. I think it's um, incredibly satisfying to solve a, a real life problem using mathematics. Interesting. I think at high school, we um, still get taught a lot that kind of get pushed down one pathway and stuck with it. So I, I like that you clearly have such a passion for mathematics. And it's interesting how you explain it with the dopamine. I think that's, that's really cool. 
well, I'm very, very fortunate, right, in in that the thing that I love, the thing that gives me that um, that sort of dopamine release is something that is so employable. <laughs> and not, not you know, not everyone has that same, um, not everyone has that same uh, lux- luxury. My wife always tells me, you're very lucky, you know, you love maths and it's very useful. Mm. You know, some people love... Drama, perhaps, which is maybe harder to get into more of a high-level... Yes, yeah. ...field, yeah. maybe. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Well, we'd love to know, did you structure your degree in a certain way um, to fit your interests or um, for specific outcomes? Um, did you sort of have a specific job in mind that you wanted to aim towards or was it just kind of go with the flow? Yeah, the flow sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so just, I was always just following what was interesting. So when, when I actually started my degree, I was very um, sort of job focused. At the you know at the high school level, your um, your job advice comes from your high school teachers. Right. So they would say, "Oh, you're very good at maths. You should be a mining engineer," which is like the go to. You know, the go-to career in Western Australia, go be a mining engineer. There was also you should go be an actuary or you should go and be a quant and, and this sort of thing. So when I, I mean, they, these are all ways of saying you should go and do something mathematical. Um, when I went to uni, I started with a Bachelor of Engineering, a Bachelor of Science. I was going to do, some, I was going to do a bit of everything, um, you know, in the technical world. But as the semesters passed, it whittled down to just mathematics and I just dumped every stream except the mathematical ones. Uh, and that happened really naturally. I just found myself choosing maths courses and unchoosing engineering courses. So very, very, very naturally just ended up on this mathematical pathway. I stopped caring about careers again. That's like a, that was like a luxury for me mm. because the first time I actually thought about jobs was probably about, you know, two months out from the end of my PhD. So after seven years of education, I thought, oh, oh, geez, um, I'm going to have to keep the lights on at home, uh, put bread on the table, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, it was it was at that moment that I was, I guess, fortunate that uh, when I went to look for a job, there were plenty of them out there. Mm. Yeah, no, um, I think a lot of us coming out of high school, you go into a degree aiming for a job and then, I hardly know anyone now at this stage who's still in the degree that they started with or at least still in the major that they started with because you kind of, I think the great opportunity of university is you get so much room to explore your passion. So I think that's obviously something that you sort of relate to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I would, I just think we all work so much better when we're working on things that interest us and engage us um, and, you know, sort of light, light us up. Um, and that's it. That's different for everybody. And we also do need to keep in mind, I set a bad example, just forgetting about jobs and employment and focusing on maths, but we all do need to keep in mind that ultimately there are skills out there or things we can do that will, you know, accelerate, enhance our job prospects. Yeah, no, brilliant. Um, so you did an honours year. How was that? What was sort of your main focus in your honours year? Well, yes, I did an honours year at UWA. It was eye-opening in terms of it was my first experience with something like with mathematical research, basically. 
So the honors year, the way it's structured in mathematics is you usually do a few courses and you also write some sort of honors thesis. It's pretty similar in, in other disciplines as well. Um, so I did a few courses. I did a course at the AMZ Summer School as well, which is like a summer school for mathematics. You can go there, you can do a course, it can count towards honors. So what was really nice was I ticked one of my courses off and then I had most of the year to just focus on my honors project. So my honors project was on um, graph theory, specifically an area of graph theory called expanded graph theory. And in short, it's all about, so you get a bunch of computers or a bunch of nodes and you have to connect them up in a way where information can travel throughout the network very efficiently. It turns out there's a really beautiful, elegant mathematical solution to this, um, which is obviously then has applications in network theory, computer science, coding, et cetera. So I spent a bit of time focusing on that problem. I wrote my honors thesis on these expander graphs and it was my honors year that made me think, oh, I could just, I could do more of this. You know, I could do more of just sitting in a room and thinking about mathematics without, you know, oh, I've got this assignment due and this, I've got this test in a couple of days, but just that freedom to think mathematically was, was a game changer for me. That's really what, what led me to go to ANU and, and do a PhD. Yeah. And um, at the stage, were you involved, was this when you were involved with tutoring and um, what sort of got you into that line of work whilst you're at university? I think I'd always done a bit of tutoring to pay the bills. Yeah. So while I was sort of a second year or third year, I was getting the bus around to, um, you know, to, to people's houses and, and, you know, tutoring someone in year 10 or someone in year five, it would be, it would be different yeah. every day. And I also did a little bit of tutoring at the university at the time as well. When I finished honours and I was not ready to jump into a PhD straight away, I just wanted to, um, I, I sort of thought, oh, I'll, I'll try something, I'll, I'll try something a bit different first. UWA had created a position for a numeracy skills advisor, someone to work with, sort of work across the university, helping enhance like the numeracy skills, the mathematical skills of all of its undergraduates. And um, I was approached by the director of student services who said, hey, this is probably a pretty good role for someone like yourself. And um, yeah, in the end, I took that on and did a lot of teaching at the university through that sort of support support role. And then from there, transitioned to doing a bit of lecturing as well. And then, of course, I think the desire to teach has always just been there in me. I mean, you can't shut me up when it comes to mathematics. Yeah. So I, um, I, it's all, you know, even when I was doing a PhD, I did a lot of tutoring. Now at Optiva, I do a lot of teaching, um, both externally and sometimes internally as well. So I think just teaching and talking maths is just a sort of just a, a part of me. Right. Yeah. I know it. Um, it's extremely inspiring having a tutor and lecturer who is so passionate about what their main topic and I'm sure that seems like what your students would have been lucky enough to experience. Well, I hope so. Let's <laughs> let's hope let's hope that they're saying good things about me. Yes, yep. <laughs> in hindsight, attributing all their successes to me. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then you moved on to um, study a PhD at ANU. Um, did you always know going through your degree that you wanted to pursue a PhD, or was that something that came along later on? 
I knew, well, I thought I knew pretty early that I wanted to do a PhD. When I was a first year at uni, I loved learning. I just liked the idea. I liked my brain growing, the ability to understand more things. The more I understood, the more connected, uh, the sort of better placed I felt, the more enjoyable learning was. It was this sort of positive feedback loop. So from that point, I just thought, where, where does this, what is the epitome of this? How do I, how do I push this to the limit? And then it looked like a PhD was the way to do that. Of course, it's definitely a way to do it, but also you, you, you learn all the time in your, in your full-time job, uh, you, you learn, there's always new things to learn. So I've always just found that I, you know, you know love to learn. The PhD itself is funny, you know, we see many people do a PhD, you know, there, there are two reasons to do a PhD. Maybe the first is you do a PhD because you want to have a PhD. There's like a bit of a, you know, for a lot of people, there's a bit of a prestige to it, I suppose. But really, when you when you look at the activity or when you look at what someone's actually doing, like if somebody observed what I was doing during my PhD, they would say, oh, he's just some some chap who sits in a room and is doing something with prime numbers there, but I'm not quite sure what's going on. Uh, you know, a PhD is like, it's almost like a mark of obsession. You know, this person is sufficiently obsessed or interested in this thing that they're going to devote this much time to it. Now, prime numbers, well, prime numbers are not that useful in the field of, of option trading. What's useful about a PhD in general is you are, applying all those really fundamental skills. I'm using, you know, when I was doing my PhD, I was using calculus, I was using linear algebra, probability, these sorts of things. You're using the basic fundamental tools of your area, but you're using them to discover new things or to, to, to tackle like complex problems. And this is why a PhD turns out to be a really useful thing for employability, you just have such a mastery of the fundamentals and the simple ideas from using them over and over and over again to study something complex. Mm. Um, so I, I think I wanted to do a PhD originally because I thought that's how I push my learning to the limit. And, and then later on, it was because I wanted to learn lots and lots about the prime numbers. And then ultimately the PhD turned out to just be, yes, me sitting in a room looking at prime numbers, but just using those simple tools over and over again that I'd learned in my undergraduate years. Mm. It was almost like a consolidation um, rather than rather than a continuation. It must be different for everyone. <laughs> um, no, and I guess in the same sort of way, it's a, it's a way to show your ability to learn for an employer. Would you say that's a strong skill to sort of work on your feed and be able to keep learning and keep growing your skills? Is that something that you think would is useful for young students? Yeah, I do. I do think that the PhD signals that for sure. Mm. It, it's, a, I mean, it's a research degree. So ultimately you come up with something new in the field. So if you break education down from, you know, the very, the very simple um, lowest levels of education are just learning and, you know, just reciting say, and then there's, um, at some point you, you're getting up to like applying, you know, synthesizing, applying like, like this sort of thing. Like there's obvious stages to learning and education. A PhD just signals that you're sort of across the board, that you can bring together ideas to create new, new ideas. Mm. So it shows a few things. 
that ability to synthesize ideas, uh, the you have to have a certain amount of initiative to to finish a PhD. Uh, but I think ultimately, the one thing you can deduce is that person was sufficiently interested in that area that they chose to to do it. I don't even I think even though it signals um, attributes like initiative, I think that uh, it's not necessarily just like a, an automatic box ticker for an employer either. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, by the sounds of it, you seem to really enjoy um, your experience at ANU as a um, PhD student. Is that true? Did you enjoy it? And also, I mean, you've mentioned that your topic was to do with prime numbers. Could you give us a sort of brief, as brief as can be said on a PhD topic, um, a brief overview into what your PhD was more specifically about? Yep, absolutely. I can, uh, I'll give you the short three-hour version. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, yeah, loved my time at the ANU. Uh, loved my time in Canberra. It was a touch cold, but, you know, that's that's okay. Just go for a brisk walk or something like that. So I spent, when I, when I reflect on that time, I just remember being in that room for three years uh, learning about prime numbers. For me, that's all I really wanted to do at that point. Okay, so, you know, I got out and played a bit of soccer and, you know, went, went to the farmer's market and did all, the, did all the stuff you do. But when I think about that time, it was a real um, period of sort of growth and exploration for me. I had a really good supervisor, Tim Trudgeon. He's now at UNSW Canberra, and he was very supportive. I always give this advice to people when they're thinking about PhDs. The topic is key and so is the supervisor it can be the most interesting topic in the world but you need to have the support of someone who's going to meet with you regularly discuss your ideas and give you both good and bad feedback so i had that had i knew i was very and you know i was very um very fortunate my topic prime numbers yep i can uh my my thesis in the end was like a a collection, like a, a soup of these different results that I sort of proved during those three years. One of them was about um, finding prime numbers in intervals. So what do I mean by that? So if you choose like a, choose a number, um, like let's just go with a million, I was looking at, okay, so from one million, how far up do you have to go before you're guaranteed to find a prime number? So, you know, starting at a million, you're going to sort of cast a net. You might cast a net that's 1,000 numbers long. So your net would go from 1 million up to 1 million and 1,000. And what I was trying to do was I was trying to prove the existence of these nets. I was trying to, trying, I was trying to show that you could throw a very small net to catch a prime number. This is useful. Um, I won't explain why, but just being able to find prime numbers is generally pretty useful. Primes of applications in, um, you know, cybersecurity, uh, in coding, this sort of thing. So there's lots of uses for prime numbers. Uh, I was doing it more for intellectual curiosity. But, yeah, basically part of my research was just like, okay, given X, what is, a, what is some sort of mathematical function? It might be like the square root of X or 
the log of x or something like that. What is then the net or the function where you're guaranteed to find a prime number between x and x plus square root of x or log of x or whatever this function is. Mm. So what is the what is like a guaranteed net that you can throw no matter what number you start from where you're definitely going to catch a prime number? Thank you for listening to this week's episode, part one of our interview with Adrian Dudek. Tune back in next week for part two.